The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh, no. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 406, coming to you on Wednesday, April 14th. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football, including this Saturday's upcoming spring game at the Coliseum which will include fans inside the Coliseum for the first time since 2019. Exciting times all around, and we're going to talk it out here in this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, Omni, wherever you can find a podcast. We are there. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon patreon.com slash reign of troy our email address is reign of troy at fansighted.com and our phone number is 213-373-1USC second what's brewing show i'm your host michael castillo joining along with my co-host here in the reign of troy studio in los angeles alicia deotola hello everybody hello uh we are back um to talk about a bunch of stuff including the spring game um super amped up for the spring game we're, we're gonna Get to that when we do the the news segment uh, and what's going to be unique, seemingly unique about this year's spring. Unique? Maybe not unique, but refreshing? Refreshing is is the word, yes. Yeah, I I would say that. Refreshing in the sense that it it feels like in a lot of ways, you know, COVID's coming to an end. People are getting vaccinated, which is good to see. Uh, California doing its job to to get people uh, vaccinated, which which if you haven't, uh, go do that. Sign up. Find a way. Uh, to get a vax um, and, and help do your part uh, for society. But, hey, uh, it feels like everything's coming to an end, and at the same time we get things like, you know, the arc light shutting down. Um, it, it's an interesting time. I'm sad because Arclight was, like, my favorite theater. It was right down the street from my house. I loved having the, like, assigned seating and comfortable seating, and I loved the little restaurant that they had at the Arclight near my house. Like... I liked 
grabbing a, a, a beer and taking it into the theater. And I know you can do that in other theaters, but like that was like my place. So I'm kind of really bummed out. Yeah, it was a good place. I only went to the Arclight once. I saw David Gilmore's Live in Pompeii at the Arclight. Oh, no, that would be fun. Yeah, it was good, except my uncle kept singing all the words to the song. <laughs> and I'm like, you're spoiling this for everybody else. People came and paid money to hear David Gilmore sing, not you. Yeah. Okay. So as someone who likes to sing along to music, but has the inability to stay on key, like I get it. I enjoy, I can't help but sing along to things, but like I do try, I I try to keep low so that I'm not disturbing other people's listening experiences, but I'm sure I, I do. I don't know. My favorite thing about you is when you're listening to music with headphones on (laughs) and singing, it is, it is great. You guys are missing out. I swear. (laughs) I need to like record and like put it on Twitter when this happens. It's it's just and like the funny thing is I don't even notice I'm doing it. It's great. Like you'll like, like tell me like you realize you were singing or whatever, and I've got like noise canceling headphones, so like I can't. I don't. I'm not even noticing that I am singing along, but I I do. I sing along, and like I I'm one like one of the things in life. I wish that I could sing well. My mother can sing, and like I wish that I could sing well because I enjoy singing, but I am so bad at it. It's it's just I can confirm that part. <laughs> I, I can confirm that part. Yeah. You have a lovely singing voice. I do. Yeah. I I um you know, I, I I've turned down roles in like uh Motab. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I could I could do it. I, I could I could sing if I wanted to. <laughs> there you go sounds like we need to do a karaoke night or something yeah a karaoke pod how about that how about we just sing everything no this is the rundown <laughs> bonus episodes on patreon.com <laughs> yeah you would have to do all the singing and i would not because i wouldn't subject our listeners to to that hello everybody it's episode 406 <laughs> okay, I'm gonna shut up now. This is you're not gonna get me to sing, so there's that, and you're just gonna be floating on your own island, like doing your doing your little song things. Sure. Uh, anyways, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's it's been it's been a fun week here as we look forward to uh, the spring game. We're gonna talk about that in the new segment and our longer segment at the end, where we talk about five things each of us are looking forward to. Uh, on Saturday afternoon in the Coliseum for the spring game. Uh, But there is a bit of news, so uh, let's get to that first. Right, Alicia, it is time for the news. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, this is not good. Okay, so hold on. You are you're Catholic. This, this voice I'm doing is I, I mean this I, I've never sung like that before. It's reminding me of like oh when you go to church and the and the have you and ever the have the, the like, priest sing? Yeah. Can you do it? Do it. I can't. I uh no I don't I don't have the tune and a I can't sing it. It always sounds so unnatural. No, but like there's like a tune that they sing and then they sort of fit the words into the tune. You gotta go. 
The spring the, game is open to 5,000. Yeah, yeah, like exactly like Donors that. Donors and season ticket holders will be sent an email <laughs> to buy tickets. Exactly. Like, I, I can't do yeah. it, but it, it's something to that effect. My uncle does it. My uncle's a priest. He does it often. So, like, I don't know what... Isn't that funny? He's both your uncle and a father? He is. We used to call him Uncle Father Jesuit Joe. There you go. That's, yeah. That's legit. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, I, I, I should ask him sometime. Like, what the, what, what is it that the priest decides? I'm gonna do the singing thing, or I'm not gonna do the singing thing. I don't know, but they probably look at the rundown and go for twelve minutes. Okay, we're gonna shut up before <laughs> everyone completely tunes out of this thing. Uh, yeah, SC uh, spring game at the Coliseum. This is the big news uh, on Saturday. It's gonna be live on the Pac-12 Network. If you get that. Uh, it's going to be open to 5,000 fans, donors and season ticket holders getting the first crack uh, sent with an email to buy tickets. Uh, the game is going to be four 12-minute live tackling scrimmage periods with a squad split into Team Cardinal and Team Gold. I am super pumped for this, not just because there will be fans there, but this is seem seemingly... Uh, they're. they're Making it seem like it's going to be an actual game this year, and not like we we've we've seen these things in the past, uh, where they have scrimmage periods. Uh, there was one year uh, under Sark, I want to say like 2014, where it just felt like literally just a practice. Well, that was the year they they did not have enough defensive linemen to yeah. have a scrimmage period. So yeah, that that was. I mean, it's been at least a decade, if not longer, of legitimate spring showcases that are just practice they're glorified practice right. sometimes they do a little bit more scrimmage but like the scrimmages that we would have seen on like a saturday practice or or at at uh at howard jones field th- that's essentially what fans were turning up to watch at the coliseum and like my my take on that was always like a day out at the coliseum is just nice but people got to know what they're getting into when they go to this the showcase because practice is not always the biggest thing. Yeah, people want to see football, right? They, they want to see something that is as close to being what we think of as football. And that that's scrimmage. That's not necessarily routes on air or any, any of those type of things, one-on-one drills. I think people like watching the, the Oklahoma drill, the Trojan drill on like YouTube or something like that. I'm not sure you want to show up to the Coliseum and watch that when you got all these people huddled around. You can barely see it anyways. Uh, but... Four 12-minute live tackling scrimmage periods sounds like a blast. We'll be able to really see how players uh, have come along thus far in spring, how they've developed. There's plenty of new newcomers are going to be there. Fans get a first view at uh, Jackson Dart and Miller Moss, uh, some early enrollees, transfers like Katie Nixon, Keontae Ingram. Uh, it's going to be really, really, really fun to see uh, how everything comes together. 1 p.m. at the Coliseum on Saturday. Uh, And and like I said, also broadcast on the Pac-12 network. One person you won't be seeing is Brandon Peely. He is out. uh, And this is not good for USC's defensive line because gone is Jay Tuvele. Gone is Marlon Tuipolotu. He is someone that's supposed to be kind of the returning veteran on that defensive line. And if he's not there, that's a problem. Yeah, and it, it, you know, we weren't there for the Saturday practice, but the reports that I saw on Twitter from all the P5 
people that were there was that he had to be helped off the field and couldn't put any weight on his leg. Uh, it sounds like a potentially uh, serious injury. So we don't know exactly how long he'll be out for, but we definitely won't be seeing him on Saturday. The silver lining on this is that, uh, it, you know, in the spring, you want to get the young guys as many reps as possible. You want to give them the opportunity to show what what's up. And and I think that so far we've seen some really bright things from guys like Jamar Sakona and, and Jay Toya and certainly Tuli Tupelo, too. And, and those those younger guys that are looking to come up through this this off this defensive line. So on the one hand, like it's good that they're going to be able to benefit from this. But if this is the kind of thing that keeps Peely out for, you know, into the season, then that is a veteran, veteran presence that USC is missing. And, you know, he, USC lost him for the season early. I think it was right before the ASU game, in fact. Um, Wasn't it a broken finger? Yeah, like it was some sort of, yeah, it was some sort of uh, broken. One of those things that wouldn't necessarily have cost him a, a full, full regular, yeah, yeah, but a but a, a season like twenty twenty, yeah, it, it it did have that impact. So uh, you know, it just it just it's a complication that USC is going to have to figure out. The good thing is here that they have some time to figure that out, and and they're going to be able to to get some silver lining benefit from this by putting Jamar Sakona and Jay Toya and uh, Stanley Tafao and and uh, those guys into the middle of things in, in practice and get to see what they're made of. Yeah, that's the one thing about a spring injury is it's sort of like a silver lining's playbook uh, <laughs> for uh, for improving uh, the football team going forward. No, uh, yeah, this it, is similar to what we talked about last week with, with Max Williams. Max Williams out for the year with an ACL tear uh, is that the, the bright side about losing someone to a serious injury early is that you – kind of learn to live with the fallout and and you're forced to uh to to make changes early on to the point that when you get to the season those guys are ready they're they're sort of proven within the system they're proven within the experience of getting first team reps and all that stuff uh to get ready to go so if that's the case for Brandon Peely if he's going to be out for an extended time uh into the season at least you would be able to see what Sakona and Kobe Pepe and whoever else uh, ends up getting time up there up front uh, can do. Uh, the defensive line has been dominating the offensive line. Uh, this is something that we saw last week when we were at practice. This is something all the reports have been uh, Saturday after after Saturday's practice as well. Uh, at, at this point, are we worried about the offensive line a little bit? I think you have to be. Um, just track records come into play here. Uh, this is a defensive line that I think you can get excited about. I think I'm. I think everyone has good reason to be excited about Tuli Tupelotu and a, and a few of those guys, but they're also largely unproven. And this offensive line is a bunch of seniors, extra seniors, veteran, multi-year starters. They shouldn't be behind at this point. Certainly not going. I mean, you have bright young talents on that on that defensive line, but like these aren't elite, elite level, like all-American level defensive linemen that USC is throwing out there right now. They have guys with potential, but the offensive line should be ahead of them. And it's worrying that this is a, it, it, yes, you lost Elijah Vera Tucker, but you returned four of the five. So it's not like you're completely remaking the line. You You shouldn't be getting dominated every practice. The interesting thing about SC's offensive line is, yes, they're, 
there's so much experience there. When you're talking about four of the five spots, um, even Liam Duran, someone who has experience now. Uh, but you you got Voorhees and you got Nealon, you got McKenzie. Those guys are up there with the wealth of experience of any USC lineman ever in terms of game starts and all that stuff. Like one of the most veteran you know trios that you could imagine on this this line, right? They all got time plenty early on in their careers, and here they are as seniors, super seniors in in some cases, trying to to still be a part of this offensive line. But the offensive line, despite all of the experience. They're without the players in their same class that, you know, have moved on to the NFL. The first-round talent like uh, Austin Jackson, who went to the Dolphins as a first-rounder. And without Elijah Vera Tucker, we expect to be a first-rounder. So these guys are the experienced dudes. Um, are they the first-round talent? No. and But that doesn't mean that they can't be good. You want the, you want the experience to still be valuable, but I think this goes back to the sense of, we've talked about it before, video games uh, and life are two different things, and we we always think about, you know, in video games, you're, you're going to get more XP, and you're going to come back the next season, you're going to keep improving and going forward, and it kind of feels like for SC, when you look at the veteran players on this offensive line, you they just, they are what they are. Um, I don't think this is a terrible offensive line, but I think they are what they are, they're 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 an offensive line uh, that is flawed, um, and SC's until that gets proven wrong, it's proven otherwise. Uh, until Nilan and until Voorhees and until McKenzie and Jimmins can really take a huge step forward, um, this just is what it is right now. Fortunately for SC, there is a new coach, Clay McGuire, so maybe he can get more out of this offensive line despite so many continued faces from from the last couple of years, but. It's early, but again, they they need to prove that they've taken a step forward before I'm ready to to believe it. Especially at the defensive line, a young unproven unit like USC's right now is getting you know the better side of them every time. Well, and they haven't even really gone up against Drake Jackson yet, so like, I don't know. I I think it's too early to to make a judgment because Clay McGuire, even if he was a miracle worker, wouldn't be able to work miracles in six practices. Um, but I also don't think Clay McGuire is a miracle worker. So like, uh, it will USC be that much further ahead once we get into August? Maybe you have to hope, but uh, like, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that the offensive line has remained as is essentially. I, I, I don't know if I would feel better if I saw them mixing and matching more. Like, if I just saw them, like, experimenting with other things. I don't even know if that would fix something. I don't even know if that's, like, the way to do it. Just, it feels like USC is very much a status quo on the offensive line with Cortland Ford at left tackle. And, like, on the one hand, yeah, that's good because you want chemistry to be built in with that line. But, like, those four guys have already had chemistry together. So, like, that's not what's holding this group back. And what what's holding this group back, my fear is, is that, they're just not good enough to overcome the schematic difficulties that I think USC has thrown in their way. Now, we haven't had a chance to see whether or not those could be can the be fixed. Too, right, though. It could be they're just not, not good enough. It could be that the scheme isn't good enough well, the to scheme, overcome the scheme, anything else. Either right? the scheme hasn't been fixed or the players aren't good enough or 
it's a mixture a of combination both, right? of both, which yeah. is almost always the, the answer to things. But like, it's still too early to make those claims. But like you said, like we've seen what this offensive line is for a couple of years, for several years now. So like, right. it's up to them to change our minds. Like, I'm going to stop giving them the benefit of the doubt, and they're going to have to 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 reverse the the sort of perception that that is built around them. And so far, I mean, so far in the first couple of weeks of practice, they haven't done that. So that is their burden to prove that they can be better than they were before. But I'm not going to assume that, well, like you said, video games, like I'm not going to assume that this year they're just all going to tick up a few uh, uh, grades in their in their you know player score and suddenly USC will be good. Yeah, I not to cape for the for the scheme, because I think there's plenty of areas that SC can improve there, but the scheme wasn't preventing Elijah Vera Tucker from standing out, you know? Um, so I think if... Right, but a, a first-round draft pick can stand out because they, on their own, can block their man. Sure. But yeah. USC's problem is that too many, like, right, but, it, but, only only two guys on that line were blocking their man consistently. Right, so what I'm saying is if, the, if, if these... If these four guys, besides Cortland Ford, because I feel like it's too early to, to he's put the only any one judgment that get, on, on him Cortland or Ford. whoever else is 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 vying for that job are the only ones who get a, a pass here because right. we it's don't young, have right. yeah the, the, they're they're the youngsters of of the bunch but no like I, the way I look at it is if there was first round talent on this offensive line uh, from left guard to right tackle we'd know that by now. Because if nothing else, uh, they they would flash, and there isn't first round talent there. No, and but you that, shouldn't have to have first sh- round talent. Correct. Yeah, like it should be a mixture of if you don't have the first round talent, then the scheme can can make up for that. Or if you if you don't have the scheme, your talent makes up for that. All told, and SC is somewhere in the middle where they're de- seemingly deficient in both aspects. Yeah, which is. Not acceptable for a program yeah. like USC. Yeah, and ho- hopefully it's just early for Clay McGuire and things will come together well, and, later on. So and we'll, again, we'll see. Clay we'll McGuire, see. USC is asking a lot of Clay McGuire here. Like, the Clay McGuire hire should have been made three years ago or right. two years ago. Yeah. So, like, he is behind the eight ball he to, should to have an been incredible the guy that, degree. that uh, Him or someone, Harrell brought in. Yeah. Or someone of his uh, type. Uh, an air raid uh, specialist essentially should have been brought in from the get go. The fact that they didn't do that set them back. So now you're in another year where you're now relying on new things to come in and immediately make a difference. Just like last year, they were relying on the defense to immediately come in and make a difference. Like, like USC has set them up for this just never ending cascade of growing pains. And my frustration here is that you can have growing pains in a lot of areas, but you have a veteran offensive line and if they don't prove that they're good enough, then like that's on. on they're an offensive line who were under the tutelage of Tim Drebno, who's not an air raid offensive line coach. Right, but they're still offensive linemen. Like right, yeah. It, it, the buck stops at Clay Helton because he let a not a non air raid coach coach that offensive line. But like it also stops at Clay Helton because you look at the talent that SC missed out on your Penny Sewells, yeah, your your Sean Ryan's. Your Jonah T's, like yeah. all those guys that SC missed out on the offensive line, they could have had an offensive line that the starting five was Penny Sewell, Austin Jackson, AVT, Sean Ryan, and Jonah T. 
Yeah. That would have been a star-studded blue chip offensive line and that, with, with the talent that, that the Pete Carroll era had. Maybe even more so because I think people overrate the, the talent that those teams had. You look back and they weren't my, completely full of five that stars. That is exactly my point, though. Those Pete Carroll teams, those offensive lines weren't – like they performed like they five were stars. performed, but they but it's not like those were like the front the top five was all five star, you know, top fifty players. No. There were four stars, there were some three stars mixed in. Deuce they Latouille were, was a Juco they, transfer. They were yeah. they were players that that became that became something as a collective and as individuals. And that is what USC has lacked. The only thing that has become of USC linemen uh recently is in, as individuals so like that needs to change and i don't know if this is the year that it changes but you I, I don't think i don't think it's unfair to judge this line harshly i think this line needs to put up or shut up that's that's sort of where i'm at and 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 again like i said it's too early in spring to be making like broad judgments but i am watching with a critical eye and i'm waiting to be impressed the other thing is when you look at spring, there's different ways to look at different players, right? Like we talked about this before. I don't care what Drake London does this spring. He yeah. could have one catch and I wouldn't care. Uh, going into week one against San Jose State, he's the guy that I would trust to, to catch know the what ball, he is. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think with this offensive line, it, you they should be to a point where they're so experienced that you're not banking on them to develop. But yet here we are where they've been a liability on the offense that they still need the development. And and at some point, uh, you, you got to see it. Uh, speaking of Drake London, though, uh, Seth Deggie is comparing him to Michael Crabtree, uh, the Texas Tech legend, uh, the legendary uh, Blitnikoff winner that, that caught balls from Graham Harrell, famously against Texas in 2008. Tiptoeing the sideline, one of the greatest uh, finishes in college football history. Uh, do you see it? Drake London and, and, and Michael Crabtree. Talk about this comparison that Seth Dagey was uh, putting together. Well, first and foremost, Seth Dagey and Graham Harrell both played quarterback at Texas Tech while Michael Crabtree was there. So they did see him in, in more intimately than, than, you know, even fans in the stands were seeing him because we only saw him on TV or, you know, on the actual game day where they were seeing him every day in practice, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, like, they would know, right? I think that the comparison makes sense um, in in the way that Deggy described it. So he, they're both former basketball players. They both have great body control. They both contest the ball very aggressively and physically. They both use their size to their advantage. Neither one is a super speedster so that's not what they're relying on. They're they're relying more on uh, on just being being big and physical. And Drake London is much bigger too than Michael Crabtree was. Uh, but but that is they make it very difficult for people to cover them because they have size and the the aggression and the 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 control that they bring to their game uh, is, is just puts them on a different level. So when Seth Deggie was saying that, he was specifically talking about how teams couldn't figure out how to stop Michael Crabtree on a slant or on a fade. And that that's really where they've seen Drake London when he's working on the outside, that those are the routes that he's unstoppable in when USC uses him in a slant and in a fade. And like, 
I can see how because this, this is kind of what USC did with Michael uh, Michael Pittman. That was that was the the danger level that Michael Pittman brought to the table too. Is that, how are you supposed to defend him on a slant if he gets you know gets inside of you? How are you supposed to defend him on a fade when he can out jump you? Uh, so I think it's the same kind of um, kind of perspective uh, that uh, that that Deggy is is bringing to the table now, and I think it's interesting, but it's also creating kind of a weird off-season good problem to have conundrum for USC because if Drake London can be as good as Michael Crabtree on the outside, then do you play him on the outside? Or do you keep playing Drake London where he's been absolutely dominant on the inside? Do you keep playing him where he opens up other opportunities for people by being on the inside? Do you have anyone to replace him on the inside if you do have him on the outside? How are you going to shuffle things around? Now, the sort of hints that we've gotten are that they're going to move the receivers around a lot this year. Not just Drake London, but like try to find mismatches with where guys are lining up by being versatile, which I get. Like, I think it could yeah. work, but they're going to have to strike a nice balance there to not to 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 get the the best, the most out of everybody. Yeah. And I think I, there's a yeah. I want to see what this means for the tight ends, because we've talked about it before. Drake London being so good inside has taken away the need to have those tight ends being part of the vertical passing game. Um, it's taken away the the uh, the need to have Josh Follow out there because if you you have uh, the option of having um, Drake London lining up at the Y or Josh Follow, you're going to pick Drake London. Um, if you have, it, it's the whole like. Uh, you see it with with Kyle Pitts over at Florida. Like people are talking about him as a wide receiver tight end combo. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing with Drake London. When when he plays inside that way, uh, it fills the gap of what a stand up tight end would be in this offense. So if he's going to be inside, it's less opportunities for the tight ends. If you move him to the outside, potentially that means more opportunities for Michael Trigg, Jude Wolf, uh, Lake McCree, all those guys. Um, Josh Follow still right. Um, and I want to see how that all comes together because then there's more of an arsenal to use, but does that take away the top potency of the offense? That's the question, right? Well, yeah, especially if, you know, the tight ends have to make it worth USC's while to play them, right? Like, that's one of my frustrations. You know, I love the tight end position. It's great, but, like, I hate the way USC uses the tight end position. I'm tired of seeing USC have tight ends out there who aren't being used to catch the ball and are being asked to block what things that they can't block. So like to me, the way that USC uses the tight end so far has been very flawed. And, you know, in spring camp, they've kind of had to lean on the tight ends a little bit because they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver to start out with. Cause Kyle Ford is still limited and Brew McCoy uh, had a, a couple weeks to get back and uh, they're, they're still, you know, missing some guys. So like they're sort of leaning on these two tight end sets, but, I'm still waiting for the two tight end sets to make to make sense in the sense that like, OK, if you have Eric Cromenhoek out there and you have Jude Wolf out there, like, would you be better off having one of those two guys out there and another wide receiver like you? you USC hasn't convinced me that that's the case yet. Like right now, I would say USC is better off having Cromenhoek out there if they want him to, to block and then have. Uh, London and McCoy and Bryant and Katie Nixon out on the field all at the same time. Like, I would rather see that. So 
my fear is you take Drake London and say, okay, now we can put him on the outside. Let's go with these two tight end sets and have, um, you know, uh, and have just a, a couple wide receivers out there. You're taking Garrett Bryant off the field. You're taking Katie Nixon off the field. You're taking someone else on the field and putting who? You're putting a tight end that you're not going to utilize anyways. So I'm I'm a little bit skeptical of the idea of moving Drake London outside in the sense that like if Drake London's going to move outside, I want somebody else to fill his role, and right. I don't know who it is that can do that. Well, ideally, you move him outside, he becomes the Michael Pittman. Yes. Uh, and then you have someone like a Michael Trigg or Jude Wolf or whoever that well, tight and, end is and, that becomes the Drake London, yes, right? Yes, but Michael Trigg won't come until the fall, right? So we'll see him in, in Trigg. You get the feeling, certainly when they were recruiting him, that he's that guy that they would like to be the next Drake London. So that's very exciting, but we have to wait to see that, right? Um, Seth Dogie talked to the media on Tuesday, and he talked about how, you know, Lake McCree has been really exciting, but they need him to bulk up to protect his himself, his body. So uh, when they talk like that, you're thinking, okay, they s- still need some time to to get in a college weight program and, and be ready to go. So now we're talking about Eric Cromenhoek, who you and I, are, you know, I think Eric Cromenhoek, the role that he is the, what he's asked to do is is sort of an underrated um, uh, thing that USC is asking of him. But he, I don't know that he's the guy that you say, okay, he's going to replace Drake London as a, as a receiving uh, option. I think that Drake London, I mean, uh, Eric Cromenhoek's best role is to sort of fly under the radar and be an outlet for the receipt for the quarterback or or a blocker. And Seth Dogie was really really complimentary of of Cromenhoek in his in his call Dagey. on Tuesday. Dogie, sorry. Don't put an O in there if it's Deggy. Um, <laughs> Don't blame the German language. I'm blaming the German language. Uh, but either way, he was very complimentary of, of Kromenhoek and, and how far he's improved this year. And, and I, I, I sort of want to buy into that. But Josh Follow is injured again and has always been injured. So, like, I'm not going to put my faith in him. Jude Wolf is now coming from his own injury woes that I'm not going to put my faith in. Ethan Ray has been injured even longer. So, like, I'm running out of tight ends to put my faith in here in terms of can you be the guy that takes over London? So now you're putting all of this stake on Michael Trigg. I don't know if that's fair to Michael Trigg, but, you know, maybe he can live up to it. The easier route here is to have Drake London on the inside and let Gary Bryant Jr. and and Brew McCoy or Kyle Ford, or whoever it is that, that comes through, be those outside forces as well. So I think USC needs to be careful here because the scheme, I don't want the scheme to get overcomplicated by this idea that like, well, we're going to lean on the tight ends, you know, but right. we're going to move Drake London, but, you know, like, don't fix what isn't broken. Yeah, and it sends us on a tangent with Michael Trigg, <laughs> uh, which is... I don't know if that's something you want. You want to you want to co-sign uh, the move from Drake London inside to outside. <sighs> I'm cool with them moving the receivers around the formation in order to take advantage of mi- to create like a calculated risk to right? create mismatches against the defense. But I will hope I hope that it it is specific to whatever defenses that they're facing, and not just like a, let's just throw Drake London outside because we can. Yeah, and you need to find the root of the. Um, <sighs> Of the problem? Sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's talk about basketball news. Uh, two things to mention real, really quick here before we get into talking about the spring game a little bit more. 
Uh, Jabez Goodwin is back. He's returning for another season with the USC Trojans. And a newcomer is coming in, Boogie Ellis, a transfer from Memphis. Tell me this isn't the coolest name of all time. I saw the name Boogie Ellis, and I just thought, that is an outstanding basketball name. Outstanding I'm basketball t- you, you name. You tell me someone's name Boogie Ellis, I'm like, yeah, they were playing in the ABA. I mean, and they were good, right? Like, they were like, they were baller in the NBA. No, Boogie Ellis is, is I mean, just, just on the Alicia, uh, what do you call it, the Michael... Uh, Michael Index? The Michael Index on the Alicia Index of names, like Boogie Ellis is outstanding. Just like Taj Edie. Taj Edie was a great name, too. Like, it just sort of rolled off the tongue, and he's now heading off to the NBA. So, like, it's kind of fitting that USC has essentially found somebody to potentially replace Taj Edie in Boogie Ellis. So he's a, a guard out of Memphis. He averaged 10 points last year, um, 6'3" just a you know a guy who can who can score who can find it, find his own shot and i think that's a very exciting that USC is dipping back into the transfer market um they missed out on Joseph uh, Yusufu who i really would have loved Yesifu. to see Yusufu yeah i'm just messing up the names uh Yesifu, who uh who was in the transfer portal as well and was sort of considering his options USC missed out on him he's heading to Kansas but to be able to go back into the transfer portal. I want Andy Enfield to really go all in on the transfer portal because it clearly worked for USC this past year. Find your big-time, big-time recruits that you can get and then find your transfer guys to fill out the rest of your roster. I think it's a winning formula, and uh, Boogie Ellis is is definitely part of it. And it's good to get Chavez Goodwin back, too. Just one thing to say on him. As a, a, a veteran forward that USC can bring back Having lost uh, Evan Mobley, maybe losing Isaiah Mobley, uh, they need they need his his uh, presence under the basket. So that's good. Yeah, with Chavez back, they're not in a ravine of uh, of <laughs> talent loss. I should throw things at you when you uh, when you do these things. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the spring game a little bit more. Uh, Can be back. All right, Alicia, I want to turn the page talking about the spring game. We've put together a list, each of our five things we want to see out of the spring game on Saturday. Uh, let's go back and forth sharing one of those things. What's one thing on your list of five things you want to see Saturday at the Coliseum? Yeah, I just want to see Brew McCoy out there. Uh, he's the one guy that I really haven't seen in the practices I've attended so far because he he missed the first couple of weeks, so... I think that it's been hard to evaluate USC's wide receiver core because they, they have been missing a bunch of guys. And I think that you have Brew McCoy and Drake London out there, Gary Bryant Jr., Katie Nixon, Michael Jackson, uh, jo- um, John Jackson. We'll get a better sense of what the pecking order is there, and we'll get a better sense of what USC is uh, is doing with the wide receivers now that Brew McCoy should be back and uh, and ready to go as far as uh, participating in the uh, in the scrimmage. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward just to seeing what reality looks like with that group. For sure. Uh, where the pecking order kind of lies, I think, is going to be really fascinating. We, we expect Drake London to be, you know, the top of the food chain there. But who's number two? Is it going to be McCoy? Is it going to be Nixon? Uh, is there a chance Gary Bryant gets gets in there? I don't know. Uh, is there going to be a pecking order, or are they just going to be able to distribute the ball evenly? I don't think necessarily that we'll learn that in in, 
a spring game setting, but just be able to, being able to see all those guys eat uh, would would go uh, great towards building that confidence in that uh, receiving core going forward. Uh, for me, it's about the confidence in Keaton Slovis. Uh, number one on my list is seeing Keaton Slovis be back. Um, and, and back to the form that we talked about in 2019, I think I keep going back to, even though he was, he had an off year in 2020, his 2020 still allowed him to be the best quarterback in the conference. And that to me just tells you how high the ceiling is for Keaton Slovis. If his bad year can still make him a first teamer in the conference, like rightfully so too. Like I, 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 even though he had a bad season, he still produced. He was still great in the fourth quarter in every game except for Oregon. Um, and those are the things you want to see out of Keaton Slovis. But can he get that that um, accuracy back? Can he get that zip on his ball back? Can he uh, continue to uh, to have his spiral back? He looked good in the practice I saw last week at the Coliseum. But what's that going to be like with a whole bunch of live bullets going around uh, as Clay Hilton would say in a spring game setting. Yeah, and and that's the the thing of the early practices that we saw. We we really the kinds of things that plagued Slovis last year. I didn't notice them at all in the practice setting. So it's easier to though to be not having those issues when you're just throwing against air. And I think it will be exciting to see Keaton have to sort of prove himself when the you know another. Heltonism when the bullets are flying. For sure. Uh, number two on my list uh, is the Jackson Dart experience. We talked about this a little bit last week. I want to see what Jackson Dart can do in a scrimmage when everything is live. Let him be Jackson Dart. And I want to see what that means. Because it's either going to be really positive or really negative, And I don't know what it's going to be. And let it happen. <laughs> Yeah. Like if he's the guy who can improvise and have that kind of Sam Darnellism in, in him, let him do it, um, because that could be the difference in where he ultimately gets rated above or, or behind Miller Moss, right? So going forward, that's that's potentially the wrinkle that he can bring. Allow him to uh, to be that star. Or allow him to make mistakes. And mistakes at this level, I, I don't think necessarily are a bad thing for, at this stage in his career, but allow him to make those mistakes or have the ability to uh, to flash and show his greatness or whatever, you know? I mean, yeah, and, and that's the thing is that when you have quarterbacks in spring, especially young quarterbacks, freshman early enrolled quarterbacks, if they make mistakes, all you want from them is to learn from them. I think that was one of the things that uh, Harold talked about with Keaton is that, you know, if he was making a mistake, that's not a problem. He just needs to learn from that mistake. And that's one of the things that he did very well is that he didn't make the same mistake twice. That's what helped him rise up that quarterback uh, battle. So uh, I think that will apply also to Miller Moss. I think that uh, it will also apply to Mohassan. You know, we we will get a better look at Mohassan in this outing than we will have gotten in any of the practices that we've seen. So uh, for me, I, I agree with your assessment that it's, you know, I've, I'm excited to see Jackson Dart, but I think also I'm excited to get a better sense of what this, the backup battle sort of looks like with those guys. But, uh, but you know, for me, the next thing that I'm looking forward to is, well, I don't know, am I, th- that I want to see is just the offensive line. I want to see them have a rebound from this last Saturday practice. I want to see them 
respond to getting worked over the last few practices that we've seen. Um, I want to see them just sort of stand up and show that they are progressing from day to day, from week to week, and give me a little glimmer of hope. Give me something to make me think that something can be different this year. Yeah, you need them to stand up and shout and stand up and let it out and really be the rock stars that they could be with the experience uh, that they have on that offensive line. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, What's your number three? My number three is uh, something we talked about, the tight ends. I want to see how USC is using the tight ends. I want to see if anything's different about the way that they're using the tight ends. I want to see any, if if we can see any any real progress from the tight ends. Um I want to see if Eric Cromenhoek is is having as good of a spring as as uh, Deggy said he was. I want to see Lake McCree and get a better look at him as well. I, I did like what I saw from him just catching passes in in practice, but it's different when you see guys in in real life. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that at least to get a sense of you know how are they going to be using the tight ends this year and and is it going to be fruitful the way that they're using them? Yeah, uh, I. I'm right there on board with you. I want to see uh, what the role is going to be and how it compares to sort of Drake London like we talked about uh, before. For me, number three is all about transfers. I want to see the Texas trio, as I'm calling them, Keontae Ingram, Katie Nixon, and Xavier Alford. Uh, Katie Nixon uh, from Texas by way of Colorado, but still from Texas. Um, what are those guys, how, how do they fit in? We, we know that Xavier Alford has gotten first-team reps uh, Keontae Ingram has gotten first-team reps, and Katie Nixon has gotten first-team reps at times. So these guys could all be main players in where SC goes this year. They're going to play a huge role in that. Uh, so what can they show for their first time in front of fans at the Coliseum? I don't know. I want to see it. Well, especially with Alford, if they keep having Isaiah Pulamau playing Nickelback, uh, then uh, Alford will be somebody that I think fans will get to see a bit of on Saturday. And also Keontae Ingram, he's been right up there in that sort of first team rotation. And uh, he's a big dude who I think uh, can make a big impression in his first first showing against uh, in the Coliseum. That running back unit really is weird to me in it's the sense so that weird. like I are they just all on the same level and it's just all just going to be split evenly again like, i think it might it's be. gonna have to be right i think basically you've just introduced keontae ingram where marquis step was yeah which or is keontae ingram just gonna like take a step forward and he's well, gonna be the rojo and just get more carries that way i i can't i can't the, see that, that but maybe that's the other well okay maybe not where marquis step was but in the sense of like having just three guys that you're rotating through right but like i wouldn't be surprised if keontae ingram is than the first guy. Oh, here's the problem. Well, but if it's three I can, guys, then... I can see all three of them being the first guy on the field for USC in any given game. Sure, but doesn't that suck for for Keenan Kristen? Like Keenan yes. Kristen brings an element that those other three do not have. Yes, but those other three bring an element that Keenan Kristen doesn't have, and like sure. those other three bring an, a, a different element than any of the other three have. So then it's like hard to decide. Well, who is the best guy for the job at any given moment? Because maybe you have Vimalapai on the field when you needed Keenan Kristen to burn through a defense and maybe you have uh steven carr on the field when you needed vi malapai to you know break a few tackles and and just gut out a third down maybe you have uh keonta ingram on the field when it would have been good to have steven carr out there hitting a home run and maybe you have steven carr out there when you need keonta ingram to be the power guy so like i don't know i genuinely don't know uh i am excited to see ingram though because i think he's just sort of the new shiny toy and, I, and he looks the part 
Yeah, and number four on my list, two more Texas guys. Uh, Cortland Ford and Casey Collier, the left tackles. Ford, first team guy. Collier, second team guy. I, w- I want to watch them and see how they compare to each other, even though I, I don't know that that's uh, totally easy to see when they're not on the field at the same time. But, yeah, uh, how are those guys doing at left tackle? I think that's going to be huge for SC going forward when you have to replace uh, ABT, who was clearly the stalwart on USC's offensive line last year. Yeah, I, and and that gets back to my offensive line. I just I want to see something that gives me hope, and either of those guys could do it. Yes, ma'am. Uh, what's your number four? Okay, so this is like a two-parter, my number four. It's kind of, it's it's. I want to see more of Joshua Jackson and Michael Jackson the third, mostly because I want to see like can they show up in these live in these live periods like. We've seen them flash in practices so far in the first couple of weeks, and they look bright. But both of them are kind of working with the second team, and like I want to see what they look like when the gloves come off and, and when when things really matter. Um, Joshua Jackson looks like he could be a viable contributor for USC this year at corner, but it's so early it's hard to say. Michael Jackson third looks like he could be someone who gets reps, early reps as a, as a wide receiver, but it's just early to say. And part of that is to, it goes back to what my first one was, so much of what we saw in the first two weeks was limited by who was missing. You know, Chris Steele was missing. I think Dorian Hewitt missed some time. You know, on the offense, uh, Brew McCoy was missing and and, uh, Kyle Ford is still limited and all that kind of stuff. Like, with more of those guys back, like Chris Steele being back, Dorian Hewitt and Jaden Williams all going forward, like, and Isaac Taylor Stewart, like, who, who are the ones getting those first team reps? Second team reps will be more realistic in this scrimmage than what we saw at practice because those guys are back now. So, like, we'll get a little bit of uh, of a sense of are these guys actually in line to compete for real playing time this year or are they sort of spring wonders? Yeah, and I think of Jonathan Lockett as the guy who every time we saw Jonathan Lockett in practice, like, man, this dude's, like, insanely good. He can like every single practice. He's making havoc plays, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and you never saw it like on the football field on Saturdays. Um, and I think part of it was because he was behind guys in, in the pecking order, and then and, when he got in there, he got injured. And he would get injured, and then other times it's just like maybe he was someone who just was a practice superstar. I don't know, um, but. You want to see Josh Jackson and Michael Jackson break that mold and, and see what they can build on that opportunity because spring's all about opportunities, right? We talked about it with, with Brandon Peely going down. Like, if that's the open door for uh, Sakona, then take it, run with it, see what you can do with it, uh, with that uh, opportunity. What's your number five thing you want to see on your list? I just want it to be exciting. I want the fans in the stand to create some energy. I want the players to show off. I want it to be lively and aggressive and I want there to be big plays and I want there to be fireworks and I want it to just be fun. That's, I mean, that's the the general gist of it is that, you know, football should be fun. And I think that uh, this is the best time to showcase that uh, at the Coliseum on a, you know, hopefully on a beautiful April, April Saturday, full pads, live tackling, a crowd, you know, like, let it come to life. Let it be something that people will remember. Yeah, you want it to bring you to life. 
Um, yeah, uh, my number five thing, uh, certainly, I'm, by the way, I'm all for uh, making the spring game feel good. Um, if nothing else, then because oh, we have no we, injuries. Yeah, yeah. Well, that goes without saying. Um, making the spring game feel good. Um, I have so much nostalgia for the Trojan Huddle um, and, and what that used to be. And part of me thinks that, like, is some of that just nostalgia and, and blind nostalgia where we we always think that things were better when, when we were a kid and maybe if we went back and, and relived it, we realized that that probably wasn't the case, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I, I miss the spring games of old. I want this to feel like the spring games of old, even if it's just a little bit of nostalgia. Uh, give me some exciting plays. Give me something to remember. Uh, I think everyone would be on board with that, even if it's just a feel-good vibe of being at the Coliseum with fans there. Who knows? Um, but number five on my list is I want to see IPM uh, Isaiah Polamau and what he can do this season. And I want to see it starting in the spring game. We've talked about it before. Players who have taken that leap from good to great. Chenonowosu, Tano Hufanga. Those guys went from good players to all Americans. I think IPM is one of those players who can take that leap. Do I know he's going to make it? No, but I think he's definitely someone who could. And if he's going to take that leap, I think it starts with something like a good showing in the spring game. The interesting thing about IPM is he's been moved around a little bit. He's been, what, at, at Nickelback, uh, uh, trialed at Nickelback a little bit? Yeah. So because of Max Williams's injury, they trialed him on Saturday at Nickelback. And that's such an interesting decision to make, isn't it? Like... He is not who I would have... Chase Williams actually played Nickelback for the first couple of seasons that he was at USC, so I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that they move IPM up there. But I'm wondering if they were sort of taking the example of of Talano Hufanga and, like, get him closer to the line of scrimmage and just see what kind of havoc he can wreck. It's an interesting experiment. But, like, it it's... I don't... I would like... I would like him to prove that that's more about doing what's best for him and less about they don't like their options at Nickelback. Because one of the things that I always say is you can tell when they, like when they moved uh, Ajayna Harris to safety, that told you something about how confident they were in like the safeties that they had available to them. Um, I think it's a really bad sign for Britton Allen that they move Isaiah Plumau to nickel. Uh, I think it's a bad sign for the other guys who might've contended for that nickel spot that they move IPM there. Uh, so, I want it to be less about necessity and more about, you know what, IPM could absolutely dominate in that role. And I'm curious. I would like to see him do that. But he has to be the one to prove it. Right. For sure. Uh, and can it can it happen as soon as the, the spring game? I don't know. We will see. Uh, this all leads us to one final little tidbit here. A Slack message we got from Evan. How good do you think Maximus Gibbs will be? Uh, Evan, he's, he's named Maximus Gibbs. The greatest name in football history, I, I think, is Maximus Gibbs. I swear, it's good. It is, um, for a, a, a offensive lineman, it's outstanding. Yes, absolutely. Uh, how good will he be? <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I think he has the potential to be good. He's got good size. Um, he's, he's reasonably athletic. I think that uh, 
with offensive linemen, it's so hard to tell. It's extremely hard to tell, especially at USC where, like, guys I thought would work out didn't or haven't or may not, you know. I don't want to, like, give a cop-out answer, but I'm, I am I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to, to tell. For the most part, all those guys in the offensive line are, in a weird way, almost going to have to wait until next year, with the exception of the tackles like Ford and Collier who are going to get their chance this year. Next year is when the 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 guard, no pun intended, the old guard is is going to move on, right? Your your Nilons, your your Voorheeses, your Jimmonses, your McKenzies, all those guys are going to be gone next year, uh, and that's really when you can dig into uh, to all the the talent that USC has brought in, um, the the three star talent that they've gotten that has supposedly been more scheme fitting type of guys. Uh, how can they fit in? And and Max Gibbs, I feel like, is someone who doesn't fit the body type that all the other ones have. So many of the other ones are tall, lanky guys. Max Gibbs, uh, more of a guard kind of, yeah, body. more of a more of a big guard. Uh, what can he do uh, on that offensive line? I don't know. We'll have to see when that comes to be. But yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening. As always, episode 406, talking about the spring game upcoming on Saturday, 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, or if you're lucky to be there, there at the Coliseum. Uh, Until then, we will catch you. Hopefully we'll do a car cast, maybe, perhaps, uh, on on Saturday after the spring game. So look forward to that as well. Uh, Alicia, you got a final word? The final word is crowd as in it's cool that usc can have a crowd at the coliseum it is indeed do your part get vaccinated wear a mask and we'll get more of these things this is true all right until then we'll see you next time see ya Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.